This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I'm Jackie Torres. And I'm Milian Cordova. New Mexico is entering our ninth week of sheltering in place. And it's important to think about the ways our mental health may suffer, especially for children and youth. So tonight, longtime GJ member Pilar Monfaletto speaks with Dr. Amy Rouse and Dr. Christina Sauer from the University of New Mexico, who recently presented on helping children and teenagers thrive during COVID-19. As always, we have important calendar announcements to share, including information on the upcoming deadline to turn in absentee ballot applications. That's right, voters can go to nmvote.org for more information on absentee ballots. We'll start things off with Watermelon Sugar by Harry Styles, chosen by youth producer Pilar Manfaletto. It's so wonderful and warm Breathe me in Breathe me out I don't Dr. Amy Rouse is an assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science at UNM. She has co-developed child psychiatry in pediatric settings in Rhode Island and New Mexico. Dr. Rouse currently works with UNM Children's Hospital and the Psychiatric Emergency Service at UNM. Dr. Christina Sauer is an assistant professor and attending psychiatrist in the Departments of General Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at UNM. She's also the medical director at the Eating Disorder Treatment Center of Albuquerque. Dr. Sauer is board certified in both general and child psychiatry and is the primary psychiatric provider of eating disorder services at the University of New Mexico. Now, longtime GJ member Pilar Monfiletto speaks with Dr. Amy Rouse and Dr. Christina Sauer. This is Pilar Mampoleta with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Dr. Amy Rouse, Assistant Professor of the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science, and Dr. Christina Sauer, Assistant Professor and Attending Psychiatrist in the Departments of General, Child, and Adolescent Psychiatry. Both doctors are from the University of New Mexico. Dr. Rouse, Dr. Sauer, welcome to Generation Justice. Thanks, happy to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. Of course. So can you please tell us more about yourselves? Sure, this is Dr. Rouse. Uh, so I am originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and I did my training um, in pediatrics and child psychiatry in Providence, Rhode Island. I moved out here in October because during my training, I had some experiences working in New Mexico doing a rotation with the Indian Health Service. I really enjoyed and fell in love with New Mexico as a state and uh, the people here really wanted to come back and uh, work with this community. So I'm happy to be here in New Mexico and working with all of you. And Dr. Sauer? Thank you. And I'm, yeah, I'm Dr. Sauer. I am from Colorado initially, so not too far away. Um, did medical school and training there. And then I started in family medicine, but came here to the University of New Mexico in 2010 to do my um, training in psychiatry. 
and I've stayed, been here and been on um, faculty in the department since, and definitely have found New Mexico to be a place that definitely is close to my heart at this point as far as feeling a strong pull towards serving the population here and, you know, really seeking to help improve the mental health care and access in our state, especially, you know, as I think we all recognize, we may be one of the poorer states in the country, but I do think we have a lot of spirit, so I'm glad to be here. That's amazing that you guys uh, came to New Mexico and felt so pulled towards our communities. So thank you. Um, and can you tell us more about the work you're currently doing to provide information to practitioners and families to support youth for COVID-19? Today, this morning, uh, we did a webinar through the Community Behavioral Health Division here at UNM to support families and uh, so parents and youth, as well as teachers and counselors who are struggling understandably to meet the needs of uh, youth during this time, because it's not easy. Where the main thing, you know, one of the main messages I think we both want to send is to normalize that this is a hard time and that it, there's naturally a lot of uncertainty and uh, difficulty in this time. So we're just trying to get the message out that it's okay and that there are resources available. And I, you know, will echo some of what Amy said for sure as far as our overall mission. I know we both are covering different, you know, services clinically and certainly we have a mission of trying to continue to provide, you know, the best medical psychiatric care that we can, even though things like social distancing and, you know, the stay-at-home orders may have affected the route by with which people receive those. You know, also providing direct clinical care for outpatients. I'm still here in the inpatient hospital in person taking care of um, kids and teenagers who are, you know, really struggling with a variety of things in the midst of COVID. Yeah, as part of our, our goal at UNM, doing the mix of teaching and, you know, providing community outreach as well as direct clinical care. Dr. Sauer, you mentioned community outreach. How do your departments practice cultural competency and race literacy as you're providing these services? So as part of overall training, you know, to be a provider in the system and work in the system, I mean, these are topics that we speak about frequently and, you know, we do formal trainings, formal conversations around. I think we recognize that, you know, these are very important considerations in working with people, especially at the level of closeness that we do in mental health, right? You really get to know people and it can be a vulnerable space for patients, clients who are coming in to open up about some of the darkest parts of their lives. So, and I, I think we also all recognize, right, it's easy for us to individually maybe have biases that we're blinded to or just our own background experiences that may shade, you know, how we perceive issues around diversity and, you know, an individual's background. So I'm grateful that we receive, you know, a fair amount of training around that. And then I think there's just encouragement amongst us as providers, you know, to consistently be thinking about our approach and also in our teaching at the university, how can we speak about these topics and, and also learn from some of the learners that we have here who may have different backgrounds as well, but are also trying to approach some of the same clinical challenges that we do. And Dr. Rouse? 
And yeah, just to um, piggyback on that, I think UNM has a very family-centered approach and uh, recognize that um, youth live in the context of their families and families exist in the context of their culture and ethnic background as well. Um, and so I think by taking that patient-centered family approach, we're able to uh, hopefully uh, recognize the cultural elements that patients bring into our individual encounters. Regarding your work for COVID-19, do younger people have a hard time dealing with uncertainty than older generations, Dr. Sauer? I, I think everyone has their difficulties in coping with and dealing with this. You know, there's the consideration that as we move in age through life, our framework shifts, sometimes our priorities, and, you know, certainly life experience plays a, a role. So we tend to think that older individuals, you know, may have greater perspective. Perhaps they've gone through similar hardships before, and so they have more faith in the fact that this, you know, will be ultimately temporary and that, you know, we will get through it. And sometimes just more patience for these processes where we don't have control. But simultaneously, we know right now that older people are also more at risk. The older populations in most countries in the world seem more affected. You know, also younger people can tend to be more resilient. Um, sometimes they can be more easily distracted by other day-to-day -day activities. So I think the coping just, you know, depends a little bit on the individual and their strength and um, persevering and understanding adversity and how to get through hard times. But certainly we know for youth and especially people that are like in school or college and on a trajectory where they're hoping to graduate, where they're planning new you know, activities, study semester abroad, whatever it might be, that it can be very disappointing and you know, cause a lot of emotion, emotional reaction to not be able to do those things and not know when they'll happen. So I do think we see that there's, you know, different effects kind of based on life trajectory. And then also the fact that for most young people, this is the first time that, you know, they've experienced something like this. But I'm curious Dr. Rouse's thoughts too. Well, I think uncertainty is inherently anxiety provoking. And in some ways, youth are used to potentially more uncertainty or more change than adults. You know, there's more change in a young person's life than an adult's life. You know, you're going through more natural transitions, uh, whereas a lot of adults might have a job for the same job for 20, 30 years, whereas uh, youth are going through different stages of school and uh, education and transitioning to jobs that might all look really different. So I think it depends on, yeah, again, uh, Dr. Sauer was saying somebody's background um, and experiences with change in the past. The other thing that this COVID is doing because of the social or physical distancing requirements, putting so much of our lives online that some older people might naturally have less experience with than our youth. So um, there are some examples where youth have a distinct advantage. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, what is your advice for the youth of New Mexico during this time of uncertainty? Dr. Russ? I would say there's a few things to consider. The inherent anxiety that uncertainty brings can be approached uh, by recognizing that there are some things that you can control. So not everything is uncertain. And I'm not saying that that's an easy shift to make, but there are some very small, clear things. You know, you choose, you know, even if you're uh, forced to 
kind of stay in your house. You can choose what you do in your house. You can choose to a certain extent your mindset or outlook, your, your thinking around certain situations. And you can choose to engage in experiences that feel good for you in, within the house. And so I think that shifting the your thinking a little bit, and you know, I rec- uh, recommend this for all ages, again, to focus on what you can control uh, and what works to make you feel like you can cope with the uncertainty better can be helpful at this time. Dr. Sauer? Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think that along those lines, as far as the pieces we control and and having awareness that we do control is just the consideration of like, you know, where can we incorporate a trend towards positivity, appreciation or gratitude for things that are going on, hope for the future, consideration of like other ways that we want to divert our energy at this point or how we can help other people. So not to sound, you know, kind of Pollyanna-ish or dismissive of the, the challenges that we're facing, but you know, it is an opportunity to really be flexible with our thinking and recognize that the content of our thoughts will largely drive the quality of our feelings, right? So the more negative thoughts we have, the the more we're going to feel in a negative state. So trying to balance that out and maintain awareness of our thoughts can be helpful and, you know, simultaneously try to engage positively with family or, or, you know, other people that we can reach out to who may be um, in need of some connection. Thank you. I think something that you said that was really interesting was the content of your thoughts determines the quality of your feelings. I think that that's something really good to keep in mind when you may be feeling out of sorts because of what's going on. Um, Thank you both for talking about that. It's really um, helpful and important. We're going to take a short break and then come back to this important interview. Before we rejoin this conversation, we have a quick reminder. New Mexico voters are encouraged to submit absentee ballots now before the deadline of Tuesday, May 5th. Folks can visit nmvote.org for voter information and to request an absentee ballot. That's nmvote.org. Again, the deadline for requesting absentee ballots is this Tuesday, May 5th. Let's get back to Dr. Rouse and Dr. Sauer with Pilar Montaletto. Welcome back to Generation Justice. I'm Pilar Montaletto, and I'm continuing a conversation tonight with Dr. Amy Rouse, Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Science, and Dr. Christina Sauer, Assistant Professor and Attending Psychiatrist in the Departments of General, Child, and Adolescent Psychiatry. Both doctors are from the University of New Mexico. We've just been talking about your work in the field of adolescent behavioral health during this pandemic. Can you talk about the importance of routine and structure when helping youth to cope in this time, Dr. Sauer? Sure. It's an important consideration as far as how we're structuring our days at this point in time. And also given that um, most of us, children included, have had big shifts in their day-to-day routine, especially with not having school or going to the workplace. So we know routines are very helpful for many things, giving us a sense of understanding about what our day will be like, an ability to feel like we have some control, and then for children also in improving like self-discipline and impulse control. So they're definitely valuable, and I think some of the challenges are 
you know, how do you create routines and, and reinforce them? How as families or, you know, adults, do we set a good example by also participating in routines and upholding them? And then, you know, how do we consider what we want to be in our day-to-day routine, right? So it's important to think the basics like our nutrition and eating, hygiene, um, act physical activity, and then other things that we want to make sure to do, whether it's schoolwork or work work. So I think those are all you know, definitely valuable. Sometimes families benefit from putting routines together as a group or sometimes just allowing children to have their degree of feedback in the routines, you know, for families, but also for teens, for young adults who may right now have the opportunity to have pretty unstructured lives. Really thinking about incorporating routines can be a helpful aspect of self-care in the midst of all this too. Thank you, Dr. Sauer. Dr. Rouse? I also just wanted to point out that the one of the things that we're having to make a lot of decisions about in our day is our use of devices and our engagement with the news and social media. And so figuring out using your phone at a certain time of day is, feels good, or if it feels better to limit that use to just a particular time or particular length of time. I would encourage people to do some experimenting. I found that I have an inclination to absorb news in the evening evenings before bed, but it's been upsetting to read the news at that time. So I'm really trying to be strict with myself as far as keeping my phone out of my bedroom and leaving it in the kitchen uh, so that I can get a good night's sleep and be removed from my my phone for a little bit. Because <laughs> it's not easy, it's where our lives are online right now. And I think that's one piece that we, we all need to be particularly mindful of as we kind of create these new routines and structures for ourselves. Can you tell us what some warning signs that parents should be, should be aware of are right now? Sure. So as much as we want to normalize anxiety and grief, there are uh, situations where uh, some kids and youth might be experiencing too much of those to the point where it's really um, not healthy and uh, they might need additional support. So the things to look out for if you're having a really hard time engaging in your life, so functioning in the way that you need to, uh, engaging with whatever online schoolwork you're supposed to be doing, engaging with the family and family chores, social obligations, whatever that may look like, if that's become really difficult based on how you're feeling, um, that would be concerning and I would definitely want to uh, have a check-in with somebody who is experiencing that. For parents just to think about and uh, for youth as well to think um, how they might know that they might be more at risk of having problematic issues with anxiety, depression, or anything else. Being aware of your own risk factors and if you have a background with depression, anxiety in the past, you know, there's the possibility that this COVID-19 situation could exacerbate that pre-existing condition, so to say. That's one kind of risk factor to consider. And also, again, if you've experienced a loss and a lot of loss in your life and uh, or have other medical conditions, that can just make this situation that much harder. So children's or parents want to be aware of what their child's risk factors are and older teens and youth should be aware of that as well. Dr. Sauer? I think with children too, we've talked about, you know, sometimes they're not able to 
very accurately convey the feelings they have. So they may not be able to say, I'm really anxious or worried about this. They may not even know exactly that's what they're feeling. But we also encourage parents to just be on the watch for behavioral changes. I know Dr. Ross mentioned that, but you know, for some kids, it can be withdrawing. For some kids, it can be more acting out. I think that, you know, we're seeing also a lot of teenagers who are struggling with stress during this time and isolation. And so they might be engaging in more high risk taking behaviors like substance use, trying to run away to spend time with their friends or not obey the uh, stay at home orders. So I think just like, you know, definite changes in, in your child's behavior. And sometimes if they're not able to really process that too, those can be red flags. And then, yeah, I mean, we recognize again, like the college age, early adult transition, this can be stressful in that period too. And so also keeping an eye out for other behaviors that speak to stress, like sometimes eating disorder patterns. So if, you know, you're seeing family members who are having shifts in their eating patterns or weight, and then certainly some of the other things we've talked about around as, you know, more overt signs of anxiety or panic or kind of withdrawing because of depression too. And this is Dr. Rouse again. Um, when you don't have as much to do during the day, um, it's really easy to uh, shift your sleep phase even more than teenagers naturally uh, go to bed later and wake up later. And we know that sleep disturbances over time can really affect mental health. There's an association with sleep issues or sleep disruptions and, and pretty much every diagnosis that we treat. So just being mindful of your sleep habits as well. What can youth be doing to take care of themselves during this challenging time? Uh, we'll talk to you, Dr. Sauer. There's I think a host of things that people can do depending on, you know, maybe what suits their personality and their interests. For everybody just to be able to validate that it's okay to have some of these feelings that we may other otherwise try to run away from or not want to feel like uncertainty. And so, you know, I think acknowledging it's okay to feel that and, and that's some of what goes on is a good start. And then being aware of what are good coping strategies. So certainly depending on the age of the youth, for younger people, it may be a lot around physical activity or doing other enjoyable things like arts and crafts or cooking. And then, you know, for older youth, it may be rooted more in like social connection to other people, um, self-care around like good hygiene, um, participating in activities that bring joy and, you know, maybe finding new hobbies. So I think it's a lot about being mindful of like where one's stress level is, what do you know are good strategies or coping skills that work for you. And then really just trying to be dedicated towards incorporating those on a reasonably routine basis, because we know our nervous systems are activated with stress. And so the more that we can develop routines of trying to help ourselves calm and find more content spaces through self-care that will, you know, reduce some of the overall stress burden and hopefully make it easier for us to continue to cope. Thank you, Dr. Sauer. Dr. Rouse? I would also agree that uh, the taking some space initially to uh, allow yourself to experience a broad range of emotions is a great place to start. There are some really easy mindfulness tools and techniques that uh, can amplify and sort of strengthen that parasympathetic nervous system, which is the nervous system in our bodies that is calming and can address the high energy sympathetic nervous system state that we're all in with stress and anxiety from COVID. So deep breathing, just a simple practice of 
noticing what's around you, being aware of your senses, anything that brings your attention to the moment and a sort of a centering practice that helps you to be in the current moment as opposed to anxious about the future or really ruminating about the past uh, can be helpful to get at some of the, that worry. Thank you for the, um, the tips. Where can people go to find more information about how to support their youth during this time? We'll go to you first, Dr. Rouse. Thankfully, there's a, a lot of resources online. So the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry has resource toolkit on their website. I believe that's acap.org. There are uh, various other psychological organizations and health organizations. So SAMHSA, the CDC, our national health organization, the American Psychological Association, and the um, National Childhood Traumatic Stress Network also have great toolkits available on their website. Uh, So there's definitely resources. More locally, the New Mexico Department of Health has updates locally and also links to some resources, particularly for Native communities that in New Mexico, unfortunately, have been hit hardest with some of the COVID infection cases. Definitely there's local uh, resources available as well. Dr. Rouse listed a a nice extensive list of resources. I'll just second that American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry page has a lot of varied resources for supporting families, parents, children, or youth with a history of mental health issues and other special or high needs. I think the other piece to consider, these resources can be very valuable, right? To have confidence that we're going somewhere that has generally factually based, you know, up-to-date information. And I know a lot of people get their news off of social media and other things, which has benefit, but also I think we always have to be, you know, have an eye open to kind of the reality of some of it. But the one piece I was just going to add is that I think for some people like having um, access to support groups or to other communities online can be helpful. And so some of those are also available through some of these different resource pages we noted. And then as well, I just want to bring up again, because I think New Mexico, we realize there's higher rates of substance use issues. Um, And so a lot of substance use, like 12-step programs have moved online. So AA, OA, um, you know, so I think basically just really encouraging people that, um, you know, additionally reaching out for supporter structure through some of these group or support group formats can be a helpful consideration. Thank you. Um, So before we close this interview, would you guys mind sharing with us what each of you does that keeps you motivated and inspired in this moment in time? Uh, We'll go to you first, Dr. Sauer. That's a very good question. Um, I am very grateful to have, you know, a job at this point. I'm very grateful to have work that I find meaningful and, you know, to still be engaging in that. So I think that's a really important like kind of foundation for my wellness at this point. I also am, you know, trying, I think, to be mindful of the environment that I, that I'm surrounding myself and family in. So um, whether that's like amount of time on social media or the news or, you know, reading about other things that um, may come across as anxiety provoking and, you know, trying to balance it with, um, spending time outside, especially as the weather is getting nicer here and, you know, doing activities, trying to make a positive angle on things where I can, like valuing having time to clean and do other things that we may be more distracted by much of the time. Um, 
and and then again yeah i think just trying to be more intentional around self-care as well so um seeing downtime as an opportunity maybe to do things that i don't always have time to um and i've also started to do more like there's so many good online you know exercise and yoga classes now that are free of charge so i've been trying to do more yoga online and that um yeah so thank you for the question those are some of my individual strategies dr russ Thanks. Yeah, I think that's a great question because um, I do think trying to find meaning in this time and meaningful experiences is important, uh, though difficult. Uh, I agree that I feel really lucky to have work and have work that I can do um, via telehealth. And um, the, I just wanted to say that, you know, the Telehealth is a shift for me. I wasn't previously working in a telehealth environment. Uh, and it for behavioral health has really good um, data and outcomes. So, you know, counseling online in most situations is just as good as counseling in person. Um, uh, I'm trying to, uh, you know, appreciate uh, my partner and spending more time being able to do meaningful activities. Um, I'm also trying to be gentle with myself because I feel like we're spending a lot of time together and I get a little bit annoyed. <laughs> and um, that's okay because uh, we can also, I can also focus on moving past that and um, finding things that we are getting to do together that we don't usually get to do. So um, the other day he was playing Drake over breakfast, which is not our usual breakfast music. We had a little dance party. So I'm um, just trying to take moments for spontaneity and, and having fun, even though there's, there's a lot of tough stuff happening right now. Thank you both um, so much. Um, is there anything else you guys would like to add? We'll go to you, Dr. Russ. Thank you again for having us here today. And, and not to end on a, a negative note, but uh, I did want to take a moment to acknowledge uh, how painful it is that uh, COVID is disproportionately affecting communities of color around the country. Um, that's been one of the more anger producing elements of this. And it's really painful and hard to, to know what to say, um, but just acknowledging that fact I think is important. Um, and on the flip side of that, acknowledging how amazing it is, how many communities have come together and uh, found ways to offer support to one another, uh, even though we, we are more physically distanced these days. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Sauer? I think that um, this is an opportunity in ways, you know, for us to continue to reframe. It's also a bit of a pause button, I think, for us to, you know, slow down and kind of reevaluate, like, what are our priorities in life? You know, what are the things that are important to us? What brings us meaning? And how can we, you know, continue to consider as things reopen and as we start trending back towards more of a quote-unquote normal you know how do we want to proceed right and what how can we how can we make the most of some of this time to maybe approach it with a newer degree of mindfulness or um, orientation towards things that are valuable i also you know will say that yes we, you know we know that unfortunately some populations are more um negatively impacted by the virus and likely will continue to be more negatively impacted socioeconomically potentially afterwards so i think just really considering how can we support each other as a community you know how can we reach out to 
and with other people um, to build some solidarity, you know, I think are some other valuable considerations at this time too. Thank you, Dr. Rouse and Dr. Sauer. Um, I think that it's really important that we talk about the things that we talked about today. Um, so thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for the invite and for coordinating this for us today. For Generation Justice, I'm Pilar Mappoletto. Dr. Rouse and Dr. Sauer, I just wanna thank you for taking the time to come speak with us. We are at a point right now where we need to remember to take care of our mental health as COVID has really exacerbated many of the battles that we may be facing on a day-to-day -day basis. So thank you for spreading ways on how to continue taking care of ourselves and helping to be a guiding light in our community right now. Your efforts are truly appreciated. Thank you, Dr. Rouse and Dr. Sauer for trying to spread awareness of all the resources available. These services are so very important to New Mexicans in general. Thanks for that standing work through these tough times. Our next two songs are The Kids Are All Right by Chloe and Haley and No Basta by Franco De Vita. Welcome back to Generation Justice, broadcasting from 89.9 KUNM-FM at the University of New Mexico. We have some announcements and resources to share with you this evening. In order to support families during the school closure, APS is opening the APS at-home helpline. The helpline offers free information and referrals to health and human services, government agencies, and community-based organizations. The APS helpline can be reached by dialing 505-768-LINK. That's 505-768-5465. Calls are answered Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. If you are in need of food assistance, you can contact Albuquerque Mutual Aid by email at abqmutualaid at gmail.com or by call or text to 505 6330329 again that's 5056330329 elderly and immunocompromised people have first consideration finally because of the New Mexico Supreme Court decision which denied the petition for a mail in election process during the pandemic voters are encouraged to submit absentee ballots 
now. Folks can visit nmvote.org, that's nmvote.org, for voter information and to request an absentee ballot. The deadline for requesting absentee ballots is this Tuesday, May 5th. That's it for a community calendar. Now, to get you in the spirit to make your voices heard, here is Get Up, Stand Up by Bob Marley. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. We hope that you've enjoyed this hour of community support. We'd like to thank our guests, Dr. Amy Rouse and Dr. Christina Sauer. And thank you to our interviewer, Pilar Monfiletto. Tonight's hour of radio was produced by Katie Rizzuni and Roberto Rial, with audio editing from our assistant producer, Barbara Jimenez, and from Tanya Cole. We also want to give a huge shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to extend a thank you to KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media, so find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Keller Foundation, with additional funding from the Cone Elmo Health Foundation. And of course, all of you who have contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by P.O.D. And our last songs of the night include I Know What I Know by Paul Simon and You by Lloyd. We chose these songs because they lift our spirits. So we hope they lift yours too. I'm Jackie Torres. And I'm Milian Cordova. Coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at 7 o'clock. Good night and stay safe, New Mexico. Good night, New Mexico. She looked me over and I guess she thought I was all right. All right in the sort of a limited way for an off night. She said, don't I know you from the cinematographer's party? I said, who am I to blow against the wind? I know, I know